0: Uh, The reading this morning is from Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 11 to 22. Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is the word of the Lord.
1: We praise your name. I ask that you would draw close to us, that you would speak to us and show us what you would have us here today, speak to both our hearts and our minds, and reveal your will to us as individuals and as a church. Would you continue to build us to reflect your glory? Amen. I want to start with a joke, it's something I don't normally do, ever. And there's a reason, it's a relevant joke. I was walking across a bridge one day and I saw a man standing on the edge about to jump. I ran over and said, stop, don't do it. Why shouldn't I, he asked. Well, there's so much to live for. Like what? Are you religious? He said, yes. I said, me too. Are you Christian or Buddhist? Christian. Me too. Are you Catholic or Protestant? Protestant. Me too. This is American. Are you Episcopalian or Baptist? Baptist. Wow, me too. Are you Baptist Church of God or Baptist Church of the Lord? Baptist Church of God. Me too. Are you original Baptist Church of God or are you Reformed Baptist Church of God? Reformed Baptist Church of God. Me too. Are you Reformed Baptist Church of God, Reformation of 1879? (laughs) Or Reformed Baptist Church of God, Reformation of 1915? He said, Reformed Baptist Church of God, Reformation of 1915. I turned to him, you're a heretic, and I pushed him (laughs) off. That is not what this passage is about. But sadly, that's what we have become. That sense of trying to identify who we are, distinct from anybody else. And the barriers that have come up amongst Christians is just tragic. We're in Ephesians, you might like to have it in front of you, it's page 1174. And for the next few weeks leading up to Advent, we are travelling through the book of Ephesians, a hugely important book. I said last week that it was written not to correct any false teaching. Most of Paul's letters are actually responding to something that is being taught, that is not right within the church. But his letter to the Ephesians It's doing something much more. It's taking a wider perspective. It's like I described it like going up to a very tall building and being able to look down over a city and seeing the landscape. The book of Ephesians shows us the landscape of the church, God's plan for the church. And we saw last week how Jesus is absolutely central to the church, central to our faith as Christians and that we need to have that sense of the importance of Jesus in our everyday lives, if we're able to be who God has made us to be, if we are able to be the church that God has made us to be. And we're going to go deeper into understanding what that truly means. We've got some amazing passages coming up that talk about the love and depth of of Christ and how we can know that as a reality in our lives. But what Paul is doing here is, again, taking us up to the big picture, showing us how we are one community, all one in Christ, where Jews and Gentiles have been reconciled. We read this with 2,000 years of hindsight and say, yes, of course, Jesus is for everybody. But at the time, we have to realize how radical this was for the Jewish people. They have been God's chosen people, and they have been held distinctly apart from everybody else. That is the message of the Old Testament. The message of the Old Testament says, you are my precious people, my chosen people, God's people, I am your Lord. But I'm putting a boundary around you, and I want you to stay pure within that. Not to mix with other nationalities, not to mix with other religions, but to stay pure within that boundary. And then Jesus comes to earth, God incarnate. And Jesus has a different message. And as a result of Jesus, that barrier is broken down. And God's plan from the very beginning was that he was for all people. That can now happen because of what Jesus has done. And so what the Jewish people who become Christians have to realize is that things have changed. But it's so much part of who they are. Something that you've been told forever, this is how you have to be, is now being ripped up and said, now you have to be like this. So the message of Jews and Gentiles being reconciled is absolutely radical to the people who are hearing it. Gentiles had been seen as unclean. The Jewish people were being kept pure and they did not mix with anything that could make them unclean. So they saw Gentiles, non-Jews, as unclean. That was how strongly they felt against them. And now the message is you have been made one. Jews and Gentiles together. It is hugely radical, and we must never lose sight of just how radical this is, because that helps us understand why Paul is writing what he's writing. We need to know the context in order to get the message clearly coming through. So what has changed? Jesus has changed everything. Before Jesus, we had the law, the Ten Commandments. We spent time in the summer looking at Moses. And God designed a way of living for his people under the law, the Ten Commandments. But Jesus came not to abolish the law, not to say it's no longer relevant, not to say it never had any meaning, but to fulfill it. Only Jesus can live as he should do because he is God But because he lived on earth, the law was then fulfilled within him. His death destroyed the barrier. His death physically destroyed the barrier. In one of the the readings of the crucifixion, we see that the the curtain at the back of the temple was torn. That was a, a barrier that meant the access to God was incredibly limited. Only the high priest, once one day a year, could go into the holy of holy places. Jesus' death meant that that barrier was removed and everybody can have access to God the Father. So Jesus' living, he abolished the law by fulfilling it. His death destroyed the barrier. His message, his whole message while on earth was one of peace, of drawing people together, of uniting And the whole reason that Jesus came, his whole purpose, was so that salvation was available for all. So now the radical message that Paul is saying is that Gentiles, you were once excluded. You were once unclean. Now you are no longer foreigners. But you are fellow citizens and fellow members of God's household. The Gentiles needed to hear that. That was a hugely affirming message. But the Jewish people needed to hear it as well because they had to change the way they saw other people. It's like having the most fierce enemies. And we can think through history of times when in Northern Ireland, the whole idea of Protestants and Catholics coming together was radical. We can think of of in Israel of, Arabs and Jews and Christians and the, the, the barriers that exist between them, how radical it is when they come together. It was that level of, of how radical this message was. They needed to change how they were. The very beginning of verse 11, we have an important word, therefore. Last week, Colin showed a video, it was an overview of the book of Ephesians. And that word, therefore, came out really strongly. We've put it on the website, so if you want to watch it, it lasts for about four minutes, and it's it's worth watching two or three times. It's on the website. It's a news item on the front page, and you click to it, and you can watch it at home. But the word, therefore, was really important because the way that this letter is structured, it is saying, this is how life was. This is how things have changed. Therefore, this is what you do. So, the word therefore is really, really important. Because of Jesus, because of Jesus, everything is changed. Therefore, live like this. I want you to imagine two columns. This is how it was then, and this is how it is now. Gentiles, then you were separate from Christ, you were apart and not able to access God the Father. But now, you are in Christ. In Christ. The deepest, most intimate relationship is open to you as Gentiles. Then, you set, we are set apart as different peoples, distinct identities, never coming together. Now, we are calling for unity. Unity of believers of every nation, every religion, every race. Then you were governed by the law. Now you live by Jesus. Then the temple was the place where God dwelt. Now the church is the dwelling place of God. And that is the second part of this passage where Paul describes from verse 20 onwards describes this drawing together of God's people as being like a building. And as it is joined together, it rises to become a holy temple, the dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. He's using language that resonates deep to the heart of the Jewish listeners. The temple was hugely important to them. It was a place of worship. It was a meeting place. But far more importantly, it's where God dwelt. And remember, when the Jewish people were in exile, they were away from their land, they were away from their country, they were away from the temple. Not only did they think, how on earth can we worship when we have no temple? The deepest agony they went through was, we are no longer in a place where God is with us. The exile for the Jewish people was a a distancing from God because the temple was in Jerusalem. They were in Babylon and God dwelt. His presence on earth was within the temple. So again, Paul is saying something hugely radical. He's saying you have to think differently now to how God is working with you. Yes, he lived in the temple but there was a limited way in which he could be accessed. Now we can all access the Father. That is the the greatest privilege ever. We all have direct access to the Father. And God the Father is dwelling in his people within the church through the power of the Spirit. We are a living temple This is a building, but we are God's temple. And God is living within us as individuals, but more importantly, as a church. So the fact that we are a body of people, united, means that God is here amongst us. And we are God's dwelling place in this location, as are every other church in this country, and in this world. And that is who we are meant created to be. That's a huge agenda. If we stop to think that we are a holy temple, we shouldn't take for granted a kind of relaxed, oh, I think I'll go to church today, maybe not, turn up when I feel like it. We come as a holy people, as God's holy temple. And he works through us. So how we see our position here will impact on how God is able to use us. The highest calling that we could have is not what job we have, not where we live, but belonging to God's people where he dwells amongst us. It's hugely challenging and as the weeks go on we will look more and more at what then god's purpose for the church actually is and how we might develop that more and more but what i want to just shortly just look at just now is this characteristic of the church in its fundamental way of being is that it's a place of unity and not division From the day that the church was born, it was about bringing together people who would not normally be together. God's plan for the church is that it becomes a radical new community. Not always easy, but in the power of being that radical new community, we have something to offer the world. Something that rarely exists. And I've just been really challenged this week thinking about this. Thinking how good are we at recognising that at the core of who we are is something about unity and about being radically different. Radically different in that there are no barriers. And I know that I like to pigeonhole people. So even amongst denominations, I think, yes, that group of people worship like this, this group of people worship like that. It's good to understand. But how often do I really think they are my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? It's so much easier to think, let me gather with the people who like to worship like me. And yes, it's fine that they worship like that down the road, but I can be quite distant and quite removed from that rather than embracing the fact that together we make up the whole church. Take that even further, and take that across a worldwide church. And it's so easy for us to think that how we do it is the right way to do it. Actually, we're the ones that have got it right. So the you know the denomination down the road haven't quite got it right, let alone the worldwide church. But what if I was to think that actually I've got things to learn from the denominations down the road? And I have a huge amount to learn from the worldwide church. Wouldn't that change how I see God's church? Because God's church isn't just here. We are part of that, but God's church is eternal. He has set it up way back from there, 2,000 years on. How arrogant for us to think, actually, we're the ones that have got it right, with 2,000 years of history and a worldwide church. We are who we are in this place and we honour that and we seek God all the time. But we are part of something much, much bigger. And unity should be a marker of who we are in our relationships around the world, in our relationships within this country. And I hope that we are building that and developing that, certainly the way that we want to, to work with our mission partners is saying that actually we love the fact that we are linked with other people around the world. We love the fact that we can learn as much as we can give, if not more. We have so much to learn from our mission partners and what they're experiencing and the questions they'll be asking and what God is showing them that can help us in the way that we understand God and honour him and worship him. So I hope that we would want unity to be a mark of who we are in our relationships with other people. But I hope too that we would want unity to be a mark of who we are as a, as a fellowship here. A fellowship that has an open door policy. It was um, William Temple, one of the Archbishops of Canterbury, who said that the church is the only organisation that it exists not for the benefit of its members, but for those who are not yet members. And how easy to forget that. That actually, how much of our church energy and time is about getting it right for us? Rather than thinking about how do we make this a place of welcome for those who are not yet here. And our doors should be open. And we should have arms that are saying, come, whoever you are, whatever place you are in, come come and be welcomed into this place we have something precious to share with you but we want you to come regardless of who you are and where you are on your journey and that's that's harder because actually it's much easier to come and feel safe in the place where we're comfortable and we know everybody and everybody is like us it's harder when actually we have those open arms that say, Come, because that might bring a little bit of mess. I was very challenged probably two and a half years ago now at Christmas time. This is a, a picture that has stuck with me since then where we had two cribs. And one crib is the Victorian crib that is um, China. And a, and a wooden stable, and old and precious. And we want it to be safe, and so we put it um, somewhere safe, and people can come and look at it. We also had a playmobile plastic crib that was out on the table, and we've had that now for a couple of years. And that was there for people to play with. And for me, that was a symbol of how we can be open-armed and welcoming. Both cribs are precious. And for me, that gave the symbol of the story that we have. We have a message that's hugely precious. We know what it is to be loved. And we long to share that message with other people. And we have a choice as to how we do that. We can start by saying we have something really precious that we want to share with you. That's a great starting point. We can go one way that says, Come into our place. We will tell you what that message looks like and how you should live it. It's all set up, it's there. Don't touch it because it's right. We don't want it messed up. Come and we'll tell you. Or we can say, We have a message that's really, really precious. We'd like you to come and explore and play with us. Because actually, we're on a journey ourselves. And sometimes it's not all neat and ordered. And for me, the playmobile crib was the one that said, we're here with open arms. We have something really, really precious. But we'd love to welcome you in. And actually, you might get things wrong. You might stick the angel on top of the crib. You might put the cow in, on top of the roof. And we might look and think, Mm, not got quite that quite right, have you? Let me correct you. Or we say, let's come and be a community together that's exploring and sharing together. Because God is dwelling amongst us and we are growing and learning together. Now, I don't mean that we come and allow heresy. Please don't get me wrong on that. But it's more about us honouring a welcome that says, actually, we do have something really precious and we want to be united with all sorts of people within that and we want to have open arms that allows people to feel a welcome so that they can share with us, learn from us, and we can learn from them because they may have things that we can learn from them too. Now, how we go about that, uh, you know, that's a long, that's a journey, isn't it? What does that actually look like and what does that mean? And, and maybe in the weeks to come, conversations like that will happen. Maybe in your home groups. yeah. You know, there's a, a, a challenge for you. Next time you meet as a home group. Just say, what would it look like for us to be truly open-armed and welcoming? What could that look like? What would it mean for us? What would it feel like for us? Where are the challenges? Where are the difficulties? We assume that it means people coming into church. Does that mean that? Does it actually mean coming into this building? Or does it mean meeting Jesus in other places? There's a whole load of questions around that. But when we understand how radically different a church community should be, we begin to play. And we begin to imagine ways in which this could develop more and more and more. I would just love to say to you, could you play with me on this? And begin to dream dreams as to how we could actually be more radical than we are. We probably think we are quite radical compared to some churches. But actually, we could be really radical. And I don't mean that everything just gets thrown up into the air. I mean having a character that's radically different. A character of love. A character that puts unity above other things and will work at unity. Which means having difficult conversations. Which means acknowledging challenges and saying, yes, that is difficult, but still we will do it. About being honest with one another. If we can't do that amongst ourselves, we haven't got anything to offer the world. So talk about it. Play with some ideas. Come back to me. Challenge me. Come back and say, tell me where I'm being too staid and safe. When I'm making assumptions. When I'm not creating space for people to dream dreams. Challenge me on that. Because what I read in Ephesians is about a, a community... That started in a place that was difficult. That people were shifted out of their comfort zone. But were challenged to work together. To make something new. And from that the Holy Spirit was able to empower so much work. And the church as we know it began in those early ways. And they saw God at work. And I long to see God at work more and more and more. Let's remember We're meant to be a radical community. And let's talk together about how we might become that more and more. Amen.